0: Angeles you get a jersey yet i don't wear jerseys Yeah, been for the kids i don't which kids they don't Your kids <laughs> they're not putting on a jet jersey today's guests founder and ceo of on three sports shannon terry host of the business of sports podcast andrew brand washington post nba writer ben golliver and now sitting in for Ridge, it's dan Helly.
1: Hello and welcome to the Rich Eisen Show. It has been a minute, Dan Helly here with you. And glad to be back. I feel like I haven't seen Brockman yeah, and man. Del Tufo and TJ mm. in forever. How you guys been, TJ? Because it's been forever, man. It, it has been a minute. I think it's been
2: over a year since only I've been Really good to see you here. on TV doing great commercials and stuff, bro. It's good really? to see you. Yeah. So
1: we are uh, one minute and five seconds into the show. <laughs> and you're already bringing up <laughs> it wasn't the even uh, beautiful commercials. I, know, I thought <laughs> for sure that would me. be Brockman. Like,
3: I was minus odds on that. You know? <laughs> TJ takes it.
1: Damn, we saw each other in the fall for some college football games. Yeah, no, we 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 did a lot of college football.
3: He hasn't got to you yet. Yeah, yeah. he was know, going he around said, the he, was,
1: he was saying that he didn't
2: see us in a long time. I'm like,
3: well, as a group, as a,
1: a unit collective. as yeah. one. Well, I got to as, as, form
2: like Voltron. I made it about me. Sorry. You know,
1: I Eisen in, in the miracles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I haven't seen you guys all together before like this, and. Uh, it's always at least fun the, with you, bro. A year or two. No, it's it's a blast, and uh, I'm sure at some point we'll uh, share with the audience exactly what TJ is referring to in terms of that commercial, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> needless to say, it has been uh, the bane of my existence with my buddies. They've had a good time with that, but it's also been a fun thing to uh, to be a part of. But let's talk a little, little basketball. The it, uh, conference semifinals in full effect. The Sixers beat your... Celtics last night, Brutal. Uh, James Harden ties a playoff career high with 45 points, hits the game-winning three-point dagger late in the game without Joel Embiid, who uh, is the eventual MVP of the NBA, which I believe is being named uh, soon, today, uh, maybe? We, we think he is. Yeah, yeah that's going to happen. Although, although, when you watch Jokic out there, it's, it's hard to argue that he might be the most unstoppable force in the game. Now, I, I know because he's not always the prettiest and maybe the, the most fun to watch. Is there a more unstoppable force in the game than, than Jokic, who went for what, what did Nick? He went for 39 and 16 against the Suns. And they're cooked. KD's not coming back from this, Devin Booker's not coming back from 02. They are 0-13 all-time when trailing 0-2 in seven-game series. you know how many points their bench had last night?
2: Uh, Not a lot. Four. Yeah.
3: Four points last night. And that's been kind of the rub since the trade. They gave up all their depth to acquire Kevin Durant. And then you saw it in the series before against the Clippers, which they handled pretty easily without Kawhi, without Paul George. But these guys were playing 40-plus minutes every night. KD, Chris Paul, And it finally caught up with Chris Paul. TJ, the injury that we all knew was coming, sadly, in the playoffs for the point god uh, goes down. All these guys playing big minutes. You knew they didn't have the depth uh, to run with Denver. And we saw last night they kind of get run out of the building in the last five minutes. And you mentioned 39 for Joker. They only scored 97 points. Dude scored over 40% of the team's buckets uh, involved in another. Guy's unbelievable. You could make the case he deserves a third MVP and – you know, you you really can't get too mad about that.
2: Uh, you know, the only thing I can get mad at is that this guy outside waited until we started the show to start, you know, cleaning and using the the, the blow thing out here behind me. <laughs> All I can hear is this guy in my ear. But yeah, you know, it's funny, Chris and Dan. When you say this about Joker, right? This guy is... Is he the least athletic player in the NBA? I mean, I don't know <laughs> if my man could jump over a phone book. Let's be honest. He can't run. He can't jump. He walks like he's 90 years old, and yet Unstoppable. the ball gets tipped, and you can't do a thing to stop this guy. It is, it's is—it's kind of like the Tim Duncan thing, where you're just talking about someone who's just big, strong, and just fundamental. He's so fundamental like I said, the guy can't jump, Dan, and like you watch, he'll just tip balls to himself and get rebounds. Yep. Like with guys with 35, 40-inch verticals, it's, it's amazing to, to actually watch this guy play basketball. He, he's the best passing big man in the game. He's one of the
1: best passers, period, in the game. He's one of the best all-around basketball players in the game. But you're right. In terms of appeal, right, that's what was so appealing about watching Michael Jordan was because his game was beautiful. Yeah, it, it was, was powerful. It was exciting. It was athletic. Joker's none of those things. No. <laughs> Not one. Not one. Not a single one of those things. Yeah. I mean, he makes some beautiful passes, yeah, those but are that's beautiful, the only
3: aspect sure. of his game I think that is beautiful. Um, Dude, averaged a triple-double this year, TJ. I know it's, nine it's point, insane. 9.8 on the assist, so technically it doesn't oh, you know, get record up. book. But, yeah. I mean, 25, 12, and 10. Every single night. Every night. Every single night. He may be the greatest passing big man ever. Is that? Are we doing our Venus
2: a disservice? I, you know, I, three years ago, Dan, when that argument started about being the best passing big mm-hmm. man, I was like, well, there's a bonus, there's a bonus, there's a bonus. Now, I, I think, yeah, I think it's safe to say he, he's kind of passive. He's a bonus. center
3: who averaged 10 assists a game.
2: Yeah. It's just, not
3: something that happens in today's NBA. And this guy makes it look so effortless and the depth of Denver. I mean, I, I think, and there's the way that Boston looked last night. Why isn't Denver being talked about as the title favorite?
1: I, I, I think they will be soon. And I think that's the other thing. Cause we're going to, talk about this for the next three hours, but we're going to, of course, delve deeper into the Lakers and Golden State, and that's the series that has garnered so much attention and that will continue to do so uh, for, I don't know, the next six, possibly seven games between those two teams. But what we have forgotten about is that this is just the Western Conference semifinals. Yeah. And whoever wins that series is most likely going to have to play Denver and then is going to have another series if they make it to the NBA Finals. Um, and I don't know that either one of those teams can beat Denver the way that they're playing right now, uh, if they stay healthy. But I do know, uh, I am very much looking forward to seeing Steph and LeBron part, I don't know, five, six, four, whatever it is between those two guys, you can make the argument. I've heard this all day on sports talk radio. And so please keep me from doing this today. I don't want to get into the hey if LeBron wins another one, is, oh, no, is he way better more fun. than MJ? Oh, that's like, way more fun. I, I
3: mean, the, 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 it's like it's forever. How about this one? It's forever. If, if the Warriors go back to back, Steph passes LeBron on the all-time list. Oh my God. Steph <laughs> becomes the greatest point guard of all time. Steph Curry's on Mount Rushmore. You ready for all those debates? Uh,
2: can you just punch me in the face first, please? <laughs> <laughs> just get Come ready on. for all those. Yeah, he's right. It's all coming, Dan. If coming. that does happen, that stuff's all coming. No, then.
1: I know it's coming. And, and the reality is they, they, are, they are two of the all-time greats. They're, they're, they're in the top 10. There's no doubt about it. But they've changed the game for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? LeBron, because he's one of the best players, Beth. Athletes most unique physical specimens to ever play the game. Steph, I remember when he was at Davidson, and in back-to-back years, I saw him in the tournament when Davidson played Maryland, and then when Davidson played Georgetown. This was when I was a local sports. Okay, where were in D.C. you in your career at that? Point? I, I was at NBC Washington. Okay. And two consecutive years, I saw him play, and he could not have weighed more than one hundred and sixty pounds, mm-hmm. but he was dropping. Buckets on those dudes, raining from everywhere. And Maryland was good, and Georgetown was very good at the time. And it's crazy when you think about the fact that, because LeBron's been in the league for so much longer, but Steph's 35 now. 35. You know? And when he came into the league, he was shooting lights out from everywhere on the court. And I remember, obviously, the shooting... But I think what is so underappreciated, we saw this in that 50-point game in Game 7, was the handle. Like, very few guys have the handle Man. that Steph has. And at some point, that's going to go, right? And at some point in the very near future, that's going to go. I guess my question would be, how long can Steph play when he loses the handle? Do we get five more years of Steph being really good? Do we get two more years of Steph being great? How long, what's the staying power for Steph Curry? Because we have LeBron at 38 now, Mm -hmm. and we've seen him since he's been with the Lakers break down more than he has throughout his entire career, probably put together, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So he's 38, and LeBron takes a beating because he shoulders the load. A little bit different system there in Golden State, but Steph still shoulders almost as much of the load, you could argue, as. LeBron on any given night. You think the handles the first thing to go? Really? Oh yeah. Well, I mean the quick quickness and handle to me are 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 similar. Okay. Because you I can, can see have the, quickness, the but. you can have the handle, but once you lose the quickness, the handle doesn't have the same effect, okay. right? I got you, right? That's I guess you're you're not dribbling by guys.
2: I feel you. Okay. So
1: that's that's what I, I guess I'm thinking. Quickness for sure is going to be the, the first thing to yeah. go. I, I heard Reggie Miller talking about this the other day, and. You know, he thinks Steph could play essentially as long as he wants, you know, into the early 40s. Being, shooter, shoot. Being a spot up shooter.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we saw Ray Allen play for a long time. Mm-hmm. His game changed a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Steph really doesn't take a beating driving to the hoop like, you know, some of these bigger guys do, especially LeBron. And LeBron averaged 29, 8, and 7 this year. That's stupid. And you want to talk about playing at an elite level, Curry? I mean, two, three more years playing at a super high uh, elite level. And then, I don't know. Then he's then he moves down to being a low twenties per game into his into his forty year old season. I don't know why can't he play five more years? I think that's a good point.
1: Yeah, I could see him play five more years. For uh, you know, sure. to, to your point, yeah, averaging twenty nine a game. You know, three years from now, but. The way that they move the ball, the way that that system works, if they can continue to add some pieces and, and take a little bit, you know, I don't know if, if Jordan Poole's the answer. I would say they need him.
3: They need Jordan Poole to start playing like a $30 million player. Yeah,
1: which which he hasn't really done. Yeah, he's been uh, awful in the playoffs. I mean, it, it, is there a bigger crapshoot in the in the postseason than Jordan Poole in terms of knowing what you're going to get on any given night? Like, that's what scares me with Jordan Poole. Um. No, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Tickets aren't cheap. We were just looking at that before the show. Uh the the get in ticket uh in the
3: Bay Area tonight, what, seven hundred dollars? Uh, you know, average was seven hundred. Get in you get about three. Three bills will get you in the building, but you'll be in the last row. You'll be up top with the clouds. Yeah.
1: Might be a little might be a little rich for my blood. Uh, <laughs> Lakers at Golden State tonight. We have the Heat and the Knicks. Uh not not nearly not nearly as sexy to me that
2: one. I don't, <laughs> That's I don't just
3: kind why. of a '90s throwback. throwback. Yep. you know, black and blue, bruising, Van Gundy hanging on Alonzo Mourning's leg series.
2: <laughs> low scoring, uh, super high defense. low scoring.
3: Yeah. You know, the under hit in game one. Uh, the biggest thing is is Jimmy Butler going to play tonight? You know, he
1: rolled that ankle. Yeah, pretty
3: bad ankle roll. Josh Hart stepped on his foot, rolled pretty bad, and didn't do anything in the last five minutes. Just basically a decoy out there, uh, and and you know the Knicks didn't do anything. To take advantage of that, kind of gave the game away. Um, I don't really think he needs to play. Miami did what they needed to do. Yeah, stole days. a game. They stole game one. They have home court now. Um, maybe give Jimmy a couple days off here to rest up for games three and four at home.
2: Yeah, supposedly his ankle swelled up to what I read the size of a baseball, and Whew. you know, so it was really if, nasty. If that's the case, then you might be right. You you did what you need to do. You went in there and you you stole a game on the road. Maybe, but you know. Jimmy Butler is a baller, man. And I can't imagine him getting word from the team that like, hey, Jimmy, we're going to sit you out tonight. I don't know how well that would go over. Yeah, that's by a bleep no response. <laughs> yeah, I don't know in that situation if you
1: really give him a choice because you, you, you need him to be at least, you know, what, 80, 90 uh, yeah, percent. Don't
3: going even give him four. a choice. Like, yeah. Put him on the plane like he shouldn't even be in New York State tonight <laughs> <laughs> you
2: say, what you say you just sort of shipped him home
3: yeah like, going, like hey jimmy you're going home no i'm not yes you are you're going home like pat riley just escort him to the pj and go back to Mac Did they do the
2: mr t 18 thing they, they spiked his milk or they spiked his big face right. coffee and then got him on the plane and he woke up That's and he's you know we, on star island somewhere we we need playoff jimmy
1: we don't need 75 percent jimmy nah, right nah. so we're also uh two days removed from uh what Has been called a relatively weak NFL draft. Still a lot to chew on. So we're going to be getting into that a little bit more. 12 quarterbacks drafted in the first five rounds. The most in the modern era. Being an SEC guy, I'm proud to say that five of those came from the SEC. Mm -hmm. uh, Which is the most ever. Uh, Three quarterbacks in the first four picks. A couple of running backs go. I think everybody expected Robinson uh, to go early. Gibbs was somewhat of a surprise. 43 Trades completed over the course of seven rounds. love that. Um, Everybody coming out with their draft grades, which is somewhat impossible to do, I think, at this point. So the grades are based solely on uh, projections and where guys were drafted and who dropped and did you get a good deal. And I think for the most part, um, everybody can agree that the the Eagles, Texans, and Seahawks did a nice job. I think the Seahawks aren't being talked about um, as much with potentially the best corner and Witherspoon the best wide receiver and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. Uh, and then I think a starting caliber running back in Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. Yeah. Uh, I had the opportunity to call their, uh, their season finale against Cal. Um, and you know, they, they had some ballers on that team. Um, DTR and Charbonnet leading the way on offense. And I think Charbonnet is going to do some nice things in Seattle there. So we're going to get into that a little bit. The, uh, I guess you could call it big NFL news of the day coming down uh, not that long ago. Jordan Love reaches a one-year extension with the Green Bay Packers. Why is this a big deal? Well, because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Instead, they give him a one-year extension uh, for more money than the fifth-year option, a couple million bucks more, uh, but less of a guarantee, at least in terms of injury guarantee, than the uh, the fifth-year option would have been so it's 13 and guaranteed 22 and total uh for the one-year contract extension so he's locked up for the next two years rob domoski who covers the green bay packers for espn is going to join us here in a little bit to talk about uh jordan love and the packers draft which was uh i th- i thought a little bit uh interesting um they went in a couple directions that uh, maybe we didn't expect but they also got some guys that they're very excited about and the big question there in Green Bay is is how good is Jordan Love going to be? I don't think we know. He has one start under his belt. He's only really played in a couple of meaningful games in his career. I think uh, the Packers fans will be quick to point to the fact that uh, one Aaron Rodgers sat for three years before he got uh, meaningful time backing up Brett Favre. But this whole deal just has been fascinating to me. When Aaron Rodgers comes in and Favre does what he does, and then... Fifteen years later, you have Aaron Rodgers doing essentially the same thing, so going bizarre. to the same team, so trying to achieve the same thing that he did. Um, I, I, I mean, that to me, if not the biggest storyline going into the NFL season, um, and above the fold, to use an old uh, newspaper phrase headline for sure. Um, I like, I like the pieces the Jets have. I like the wide receivers they have. I like the the running back they have. Um, I I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if I'm all in on on Aaron Rodgers the last year. You know, just kind of the the way. If things go south for two or three games with the Jets, it's gonna go bad quickly. Is Aaron Rodgers the guy to pull you out of the abyss? I don't know if he's that dude anymore. And I'm not talking about from a physical standpoint. I'm talking about from a mental standpoint.
3: Maybe. I don't know. He's been saying all the right things. He's been, you know, showing his face everywhere. He's at Madison Square Garden uh, for Rangers and Knicks playoff games. He's certainly out there. He's enjoying kind of being a New Yorker right now. Uh, saw him at minicamp that make some throws. <sighs> I don't know. I- I'm not sure. They have the sixth best Super Bowl odds, mm-hmm. which seems insane. This is probably the most hype the Jets have ever had heading into a season. Um you know, everyone said, hey, they're a quarterback away. This is a great roster. You know, they had the offensive and defensive rookies of the year, and now you get Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers didn't look that great last year. Was it because he was injured, or is he just slipping because he's going to turn 40 during this season? Uh, remains to be seen. You know, I'm hoping, as a Pats fan, it doesn't go well, but yeah. uh, I'm not sure. It's more definitely more interesting. With Aaron Rodgers around, the AFC East is suddenly one of the best divisions of football. Well,
1: in terms of quarterbacks, it's become a much much more interesting division since uh, Tom Brady left. There's no doubt about that. So one of many things that we'll be delving into. Rob Domofsky going to be joining us from ESPN, talking Jordan Love, talking Packers, talking a little NFL draft as well. Dan Helley on the Rich Eisen Show. We are back after this.
0: welcome back to the rich Eisen show
1: dan Helly filling in for rich who is uh on location doing some work with roku today just doing the draft doing roku he's all over the place rich is uh working hard as per usual and so is rob domofsky covers the green bay packers for espn had to bring him on with the big jordan love news today rob how you doing
4: i'm great dan how are you
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you for coming on on a uh, short notice. So I tried to explain what happened here in terms of them not picking up the fifth year option, but signing him yeah. to a contract extension. I probably didn't do a very good job. Can you walk me through what just went down today?
4: Yeah. So everyone thought myself included that there were two options on the fifth year option, either pick it up and he's guaranteed 20.7 million for the 2024 season or don't pick it up, and he's going into his last year of his deal as a first-year starter. Well, there's a third option, and that was the contract extension, which is what they did. It essentially really gave him the same 2024 total of, of $20 million bucks, $22 million bucks. But they're able to do two things with it. One, they give him some money up front, uh, which you know, says to him, look, we believe in you. We're giving you this money. You're going to get some of it now. And two, it allows them to split that over two years of their salary cap. Because right now, if they just had picked up the fifth-year option, he would have been $2.2 million uh, of his salary this year. And the other $20 million would be on next year's cap. So uh, we know this team's been in cap trouble for a while. Uh, they're, they're in it this year. But they won't take as much of it this year because they know it is kind of a rebuilding year, even though they won't, won't use that word. Because after this year, they're free of Aaron Rodgers on the cap. $40.3 million of dead money is Aaron Rodgers' cap this year. And next year, they're completely free, so they were able to keep Jordan Love, give him a little bit of a pat on the back and say, don't worry about it. You know, if things don't start great, we're not going to dump you because we got you for this year. And by doing this, we're going to be able to get a few more players next offseason because we'll have more caps.
1: What what does a rebuilding year mean in Green Bay? Does it mean another year right around 500? Is that the expectation level from the fan base there?
4: Yeah, I mean it's interesting. If you go back to uh 2008, you know, and I'm not saying history will repeat itself, but as you know, it, it sort of already has with uh Rodgers going to the Jets and and you know, after five went to the Jets, when Rodgers took over, he had uh through twenty eight touchdowns and thirteen interceptions and threw for over four thousand yards. And everybody realized, you know, this guy's gonna be pretty good. In fact they gave him a contract extension in the middle of that two thousand eight season. But what people forget is they were six and ten that year. And and Rogers had an experienced group of receivers. He had you know he had an experienced Donald Driver. He had an experienced Greg Jennings. He had guys that would go on to be you know, big stars with with uh, uh, Jordy Nelson being the top, also James Jones, very good player. Jordan Love doesn't have that. Um, he's got basically two receivers that have played any meaningful football, and that was Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs last year when they were rookies. Uh, they drafted three more receivers this year. Uh, you know, so basically, he's starting over um, with with guys that just don't have a lot of experience. Same thing in the tight end room. They drafted two tight ends. Uh, so three receivers, two tight ends. And most of those guys are probably going to play. Uh, and some of them might play a fairly significant role. Specifically, they're, um, you know, they're their top, well, both tight ends. And then their, the top receiver that they took, uh, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State in the second round. I mean, he's probably going to be their number three receiver uh, right away. So I, I think there's going to be some, some um, you know, growing pains. And I think there's going to be a sense of patience with him. Where there's not going to be patience is on the defensive side of the ball, where they were loaded with talent, still are, and underperformed last year. I mean, that was, to me, that was as big a reason as as any that they were eight and nine last year. Rodgers obviously struggled uh, with injuries. uh, You know, maybe wasn't as mentally into it and not as sharp, maybe that in that regard as he has been in the past. But you know, when they needed their defense to kind of pull through for him. They did not, and by adding another top-line defensive player with Lucas Van Ness at number 13 overall just tells you even more that they expect this defense to help Jordan Love along the way.
1: We sensed from the Packer fan base that they were ready to move on from from Aaron Rodgers. What I haven't gotten a sense for... Is is that fair to say? Is that accurate? I
4: think that's fair, yeah. I think that's accurate.
1: What I haven't gotten a sense for is the confidence level in Jordan Love at this point? Yeah. What, what is the expectation level for him? Because to your point, I, I had actually forgotten that they went 6-10 and 10 in A-Rod's first yeah. year. I just remember his brilliance very early on and I think it was yeah. easy for everybody to see the potential and how good he was already the minute he stepped onto the field there. We just don't right. have that feeling or knowledge about Jordan Love at this point and I'm sure he True. can turn heads, right? If it, So if they go 6 and ten or seven and ten, then yeah. and Jordan Love shows promise. That that's the fan base is happy at that point. I would imagine.
4: I would say so. Yeah. What what, what people don't have um, people on the outside and us in the media included, we don't have what what we had in two thousand seven when Rogers was the third year backup and they played a game down in Dallas in late November. And Favre got hurt early, like first quarter early. and uh, they were down big. Rogers came in. and he, they didn't win the game, but it was a, it was a sign. Rogers was really, really good in that game, really productive. made some big time throws. and And uh, you know, not that it was a full game, but it was three quarters of a game. Uh, I remember, you know, it, it's easy for Mike McCarthy to say this now, but but he's said this many, many times over the years that when they got on the plane leaving Dallas that night, it was a Thursday night game, uh, he and Ted Thompson said they felt like they, had, they knew what they had and they, they could move on if, if that was the end for Brad. And they knew it. I don't think that we have that sense. We, we have one start in 2021 at Kansas City, and, and quite frankly, Jordan Love wasn't ready. Really hard situation, obviously, playing a really good team on the road at Arrowhead. And if you remember, that was the week uh, of the COVID deal with Rodgers when uh, that's the reason obviously Love played was Rodgers tested positive for COVID. And it wasn't just that, but do you remember, Dan, all the just the, the distraction and the, the hoopla over the immunization, mm-hmm. vaccination thing? I mean, that was a really hard week for him. Uh, and, and then we saw last year in Philadelphia, almost, almost um, I guess it would have been 15 years to the day of that Dallas game. Uh, that Rodgers played, and Jordan Love got to play the fourth quarter in Philadelphia. Similar situation. They were down a couple of touchdowns. Love came in, played two series, but a touchdown drive and a field goal drive. Uh, they lost; still lost the game by double digits. It was a much, much smaller sample size, and even after the game, I asked Love you know, what kind of defense the Eagles were playing at that point in the game, and he even admitted. He goes, look, it was soft. You know, It was not the blitzing defense that – that he saw at his first start in Kansas City. So there's just there just isn't a lot now. If you talk to people on the inside and even people around the league, I remember talking to some former coaches about this. Um, the the team itself, the Packers, Matt Lafleur, Brian Gutekunst, the whole the whole organization, they have a lot more to work with uh, on love than what we do. Um, we don't see practice during the regular season other than to walk into their the practice facility, take attendance, and then they kick us out. Um, you know, he didn't have. Uh, preseason his rookie year because of the COVID deal. He missed a preseason game the, the next year because of a shoulder injury. So it, they have a lot more behind-the-scenes information. And, and as you know, one former coach told me, there's no way that they would be moving on and so willing to move on from Aaron Rodgers if they didn't at least think that Jordan Love was was ready. Now, does that mean he's going to be great? No, but they have. They must have a feeling that 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 the, he has a chance to at least do that. And and the other thing, Dan, is that they need to find out, right? Like if he sat another year, then what? You know, then then he's playing his fifth year would be his first year as a starter. That that's just you know, it's probably too late.
1: It was kind of a no brainer that uh, you had to move on from Rodgers and see what you had. In Jordan Love. I mean, there's so many different scenarios here, right? He has a great season. They decide to pay him early like they did with Aaron Rodgers. So they don't, uh, you know, they're not on the hook for a $250 million contract after the season. Um, He flounders and they decide, hey, we got to go get another quarterback. I I won't ask you to pick this scenario. Certainly there's a lot of different directions that this can go. But I am going to ask you about Aaron Rodgers in New York. And what do yeah. you think the most likely scenario is for him there in terms of success? He gets healthy. Yeah. He's been rejuvenated. He's yeah. in that. I don't know if the New York media market is as big of a deal as it once was. Um, yeah,
4: I totally agree with that. You know, like totally I, I think that. that's
1: an old tired yeah. narrative because it was, listen, I'm from yeah. Washington, DC. I was a local reporter there for a long time before I went to NFL network. And I, that was a tough market, but it wasn't as tough yeah. as Philly. It wasn't as tough right. as DC, and it was very different yeah. than a place like Green Bay or Nashville that didn't have as many media members, right?
4: But well, I, here's the thing, actually, about the, that I think is a misconception about about Green Bay is that there's actually a, it's it's the only thing here, the whole state. I mean, at every Wednesday at Aaron Rodgers' locker, there's thirty plus reporters standing around there. Like the Packers Pete reporters have a bigger traveling core than like chicago's group or uh detroit's group i mean so there is that sense and i've always become been a little defensive about it because i think there is a little bit of that misconception now i think the difference is that maybe the packers market is is more about football and less about like it's more the beat writer driven than it is columnist driven you know mm-hmm. there's maybe not as much opinion uh, out there uh, and and I also think that um, again, this is my perception from the outside. So tell me if I'm wrong. Sometimes the headlines in in the tabloids in New York don't necessarily match the story, right? right. Like, I mean, they go for the big, the big headline, which I I think they're full. I love. I have, every couple of weeks I go on the Daily News and the Post and just look at the covers because I think the headline writers are outstanding. And then the, the other thing too, I think it's more away from football where it's the difference, I mean we've already seen him at what a Rangers game and a, and a Knicks game and. You know, the photographs. I don't know what's on page six about him, but there, you know, I I joked with, uh, I think I joked with Rich when I was on a couple weeks ago about this. I said, look, there's no page six in the Green Bay Press Gazette. Well, actually, there is a page six, but it's either the farm report or uh, the church notices or or something like that, right? (laughs) There's no, there is no um, paparazzi. So I think that's where the difference is to me, where the rest of his life outside of football is maybe going to be a little bit more um, scrutinized. You know, if they lose, and he's uh, at a game the next the next day in, in Manhattan, maybe there's you know some, some funny headlines about that. But he was actually, you know, he loves to talk about football. He's really good with answering questions about you know about football topics that he's interested in. And and I, from a from a performance standpoint, real quick, I, I I would expect knowing Aaron having covered him for his whole career, I would expect him to come out with a absolute. Desire to show the Packers that they were wrong to, to move on. Uh, you know, when when they drafted Jordan Love, um, I remember a, a coach telling me this is really going to light a fire under Rodgers, and sure enough, the next two years he wins MVP both years. So I expect him to play very similar to that in the regular season. The, the The question that I think everybody has is, does he still have it when it when it comes to The elimination games, the playoff games. I mean, since they won the Super Bowl, uh, I believe has been. You have to double check this, but I'm pretty sure his playoff record is seven and nine. So it's basically a season's worth of playoff games, and he's seven and nine, which is not good. And then you throw in last year's basically playoff game, the regular season finale against Detroit. That Mm -hmm. was, you know, they win that during the playoffs, and he was not very good in that game either. There's plenty of questions that the I think the Packers organization came to the realization: look. We won 13 games three years in a row, and we never got past the NFC championship game. And and not that it's all on Rodgers, but there were times where he could have tilted the field like he used to, and it just didn't happen.
1: All right, getaway question, Packers draft. You talked about Lucas Van Ness, the uh, defensive end out of Iowa. and
4: Total Packers pick. He he never started a game, right? Yeah, yeah. Middle Midwest guy from Chicago, played at Iowa, Big Ten guy, total Packers pick. But but anyway, I, I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: No, no, that, I, I just I wanted to ask about that because he's the first guy to go in the first round. He's never started a game before, but kind of yeah. it, he he played more than the starters did. He's you know the guy yeah. is built like a Greek god. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he pans out. It, was there anybody else in the draft that was a surprise or uh, garnered a lot of attention there? I mean, for me, it was Sean Clifford in the fifth round, the quarterback out of Penn State, who's the guy who actually yeah. beat out Will Levis at Penn State and twice. forced Levis twice to transfer, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, twice, two seasons. Um, look, I, I don't know a ton about Clifford. I, I knew they would take a quarterback. In fact, I wouldn't have been surprised if they took two when Rodgers took over in 08. They drafted Brian Brahm. In the second, Matt Flynn in the seventh. Obviously, we know how that worked out. Flynn became a better player. I, I just think that it, it, it was a it, it was a Packers formula draft, right? Like 12 of the last 13 picks, including Van Ness' first-round picks, I mean, have been on the defensive side of the ball. The only offensive player is Love. The second round, they've always done well with receivers. They, did, they, they took one again, Jaden Reed. Um, last year, Christian Watson was in that second round, and, and he looks like he's going to be a player. Guys I mentioned earlier, like Jordy Nelson and, and um, Greg Jennings and, and even Randall Cobb were all second-round picks. So it sort of just followed the formula that this organization uh, you know, sort, sort of does, and it doesn't necessarily man, matter who the GM is. Uh, they've changed GMs. They've all come from the Ron Wolf uh, scouting tree, and they just sort of operate the way they do. And you know, there, there's going to be young guys that, may, that, that get a chance to play. Every draft pick they had last year, I believe every one of them made the team. They now they didn't have 13 like they did this year, but like they were a good team. They were coming off a 13 win season and they kept all their draft picks because that's how they operate. They're a draft and develop type team. And you know, they're going to need last year's draft class to play even better than it did. And then hopes that this year's draft class can can sort of follow suit. But uh, I would just say for the draft, it's it's like the it's the formula. Like that's just if you look up a Packers prototypical draft, this is what it is: a defensive front seven guy in in the first round, and then some skill position guys sprinkled
1: yeah, it. Yeah, it was a typical Packers draft, no doubt about that. I did lie; I said that was a getaway question. Have to ask you about Matt Lafleur. I've known him since his yeah. days in Washington and his cup yeah. of coffee in Tennessee. You know, he, he's been lucky enough to have peak eight rod there to go 47-19 yeah. and 19 over his time there. And that record, obviously, is uh, not going to be quite as good, at least for yeah. a year or so. But is there anybody who's breathing a bigger sigh of relief to be able to just kind of move on and move forward than, than Matt LaFleur?
4: You know, it's interesting because he's in an interesting position, right? He even said, and I thought this was really interesting and honest from him, you know, when not that anybody in the organization was publicly trashing Rogers, but but he said, Look, I, I just want to say this about Aaron Rodgers. He made a lot of people around here a lot of money, right? Like, I mean, he might have been hard to deal with or whatever, but but these guys all got contract extensions, Gudekuns, the floor because of basically because of Rogers. And, um, you know, somebody, uh, joked with him at the owners' meetings in Phoenix last month. It's like, well, now we'll finally get to see the Matt LaFleur offense, right? And he just said, like, why is everyone saying that? And we're all saying that because we know Rodgers had a big influence over what they did, and, and LaFleur maybe had to give, you know, compromise in some areas. So I, I just think, I think we're going to learn a lot about Matt LaFleur as a coach. He he's he, You know from being in Washington – he worked with uh, Robert Griffin III mm-hmm. uh, as a rookie, and, and Cousins, obviously, too, was there. And I talked to RG3 for a story maybe a week or two ago. It's still up on ESPN.com. Just about how good Matt was with him in giving him the confidence to be like, look, if you throw an interception as long as you made the right read, you know, we're going we're to we're be patient with you. you just, just do things the right way. And I think Jordan Love is a quarterback who will, who will do that, do things the right way. Uh, which meaning? That's the way Matt Lafleur wants them. So, I, but I do think we're going to see, you know, a lot of what Matt Lafleur is all about because you know, since since that year in Washington, he's worked with a lot of veterans. He had Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. He had uh, Rodgers here. He had Matt Flynn for a couple of. I'm sorry, Matt Ryan for a couple of years in Atlanta. In fact, it's Ryan's MVP year, I believe, 2016. He was the quarterbacks coach. So it's been a while since he's really been the guy to work with a young quarterback. And and I'm sure that's rejuvenated him a little
1: bit. Rob, thanks so much, man. I kept you longer than I had planned to. One of the best in the business been covering the Packers forever. Uh, Currently covering them for ESPN.com. Listen, I've said this forever. Guys that are embedded, that are in the market, that's where you go to get your information. My buddy, John Kime there in Washington, Teron Davenport in Nashville, Rob Demosky in Green Bay. Go read them. It's great stuff. Rob, have a great rest of your week, my friend. Thanks so much for coming on.
4: Yeah, I really appreciate it, Dan. We'll be seeing you.
1: All right, man. Good stuff from uh, Rob Domofsky from ESPN.com. Jordan loves signing that uh, contract extension. Going to be interesting times there in Green Bay. I had forgotten, and that's what's so great about having these guys that have been covering the same team for so long, that they went 6-10, and 10 in A-Rod's first year, but he showed such promise, they signed him to an early extension. Um, Mm. And this is something, you know, I've always been fascinated by the business of sports, which is why we're gonna have Andrew Brandt and Shannon Terry on a little bit later. Andrew Brandt, of course, was in the Packers front office uh, for a long time, is gonna be with us here in studio. He's in LA. Um, Shannon Terry is the founder of multiple recruiting websites, uh, rivals, uh 247 currently on three and i'm going to get into an nil discussion with him because nil is the not one of it is the driving force in college sports today period you have a big collective a big group of donors who are going to pony up some cash you're getting guys not, maybe not Bronny James, because I don't think it's going to affect somebody like Bronny James, but you're getting big-time college football players to come to your program. You, listen, my school, Tennessee, done it, right? And what happened last year? They're good again. We won some games. Did you guys know, and I, I, as a, a, a father of a 17-year-old daughter, I can tell you this because I'm looking at all these different colleges, Tennessee's applications last year went up oh, by yeah. 43%. Because of one good college football season, because of one win over Alabama, because of a yes. highly rated, nationally televised game with Georgia, you got all these kids in California and all these kids in the cold weather flyover states. They, they, they look, wow, that that looks fun. I can't get into a school in California. Let me go try the SEC where it's a little bit easier. You know I know I mean? we got to go
3: to break, but like you mentioned, the Georgia stats pre-show when we were talking about you know the mid-range for uh, yeah. you know what the guys are pulling in. That's what back-to-back national titles does. You're right. Suddenly you're, right. you're now pulling from a different uh, pool because kids want to go there because
1: yeah, it looks fun. It's it's incredible. I could talk about this all day because I feel like it's what I do all the time, so I'll try not to do it because we have to go to commercial here. But uh, thank you again to Rob Domofsky from ESPN.com for coming on to break down the uh, Jordan Love situation and a whole lot more on the Packers draft. We're just getting started here on the Rich Eisen Show. You can
0: call us, 844-204-RICH. We're back after this
1: Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Helley filling in. You can call us at 844-204-RICH. That's R-I-C-H, in case you were wondering. You can watch us on Roku Channel. That's uh, Channel 210. Listen to us on Sirius. Sirius Channel 218XM202. Stream for free on the Odyssey app or odyssey.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rich Eisen Show at dan Helley on instagram and twitter filling in today or subscribe to the youtube page youtube.com slash rich eyes all right good spot by uh chris brockman here a few moments ago the uh schedule for the new 12-team college football playoff uh coming for the what 2025 season uh, 24 season. 24 season. Two years. We've got to wait two years. Is uh, is out, courtesy of Nicole Auerbach from The uh, Athletic and SiriusXM. Walk us through, Brockman, what we can expect to see All here. right, so the
3: 2024 season, the first-round games, remember those are going to take place on campus of the higher seed, okay? So those are going to be a Friday, December 20th, 2024, and, uh, one game on that day, and then three games on Saturday, December 21st. Uh, according to Nicole, early afternoon, late afternoon, and evening. So nice and staggered. Then the quarterfinals, much to Rich's dismay, are still going to be on New Year's Eve. So we're going to have a Tuesday, December 31st game, and then a Wednesday, January 1st game. Uh, all the other games are going to be that day at the Peach Bowl, Rose Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl. So just one one New Year's Eve one, One New Year's Eve instead of two, like we've been doing with the uh, playoff in recent years. Then the semifinals are going to be a week later, uh, on Thursday, January 9th, twenty twenty-five, at the Orange Bowl, and then Friday, January tenth, at the Cotton Bowl. So those are your two semifinal games. So that'll be so. None of this is going to overrun with your NFL playoffs. Okay, these are all going to be uh, during the week: Thursday, Friday for the semifinals, and then the Monday, the national championship game. January twentieth, twenty twenty five. So we got to wait about two years for this. Well, uh, in Atlanta,
1: the first round, those three first round Saturday games are going to be going up against maybe the, the NFL. Sat-
3: maybe Saturday yeah. will be up against NFL. And then right.
1: The, the semifinals on Thursday and Friday are going to uh, avoid those uh, NFL games. So, so twelve team college football playoffs have to start in twenty twenty four. Schedule is out. If you want to check it out, just go to uh, Nicole Auerbach's uh, Twitter. She has an article up on The Athletic. Um, So interesting exercise with 12 teams, right? There's always been the big debate who should be in the playoff, who shouldn't be in the playoff. And you go back to last year's college football playoff ranking. With 12 teams. What do we got? You got Clemson in there at seven, Utah in at eight, Kansas State in at nine, SC at 10, Penn State 11 and Washington at 12. So the cutoff was uh, Florida State and Washington. Huskies are in, Knowles are out. I cannot wait for a 12 team college football playoff. This is going to be absolutely massive.
3: So that's first four teams get a bye. So, so this past season, it would have been Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State, all with byes. And then five through 12 play with the higher seed getting home games in that quarter. So you're talking about Washington at Alabama, Penn State at Tennessee, USC at Clemson, Kansas State at Utah. Like those are, what a college football weekend that's going to be. It's going to be incredible. I mean, and, and then to have,
1: starting the, the first round on December 20th, and then you go through the national championship game on January 20th. Whole month. And, yeah, I mean, I guess, listen, I mean, with the NIL money, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later, I, these are semi-prof these are professional athletes at this point. I think we can all admit that. Um, you know, they are taking some classes, but they're getting paid handsomely, a lot of them, uh, to play football at a very high level as they should be. The Rich Eisen Show Radio Network, sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call or click... Granger.com or you can just stop by. Dan Helly, filling in with Brockman Del Tufo and TJ.